0: Kobe Bryant didn't hear his name called until the fourth round of the 2022 NFL Draft, but he could wind up being a day three steal for the Seahawks. I'll be breaking down the Jim Thorpe Award winner's game, including his strengths and weaknesses, on the latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day Greetings 12 this is Corbin Smith your host for Locked On Seahawks riding solo for our Tuesday show as always thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen Five days a week, jam-packed episode coming your way. Gonna wrap up mini camp. The Seahawks had their rookie mini camp this past weekend. Gonna share some observations and takeaways from that three-day event. Gonna be sharing some thoughts from the twelves. Many of you listeners sending in some thoughts on Seattle's off-season for Twitter Tuesday, and I'll be sharing some strengths and weaknesses for Kobe Bryant, Seattle's fourth-round quarterback. Out of Cincinnati. Now, for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks wrapped up their annual three day rookie minicamp on Sunday. Not surprisingly, Pete Carroll was glowing at the end of the event about his incoming nine player rookie class and some of the undrafted players as well. Like any rookie minicamp, no contact. Very limited in what they can actually do football-wise on the field. So as far as takeaways and observations go, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Charles Cross looks like the next Walter Jones because haven't gotten to see him play football. But my first big takeaway from this weekend, you can see the athleticism in this incoming draft class, including the two tackles, Charles Cross, Abraham, Lucas. That's what I was looking for this weekend, because you're not really going to be able to gauge anything else. There's no contact. These guys are not going to be blocking anybody other than playing patty cake, because that's all they can do during this phase of the offseason. We won't really know until the pads come in in August where these two are going to fit in from a football standpoint as offensive linemen. But You can see the movement skills. You can see the lateral mobility, the quickness, and you can just tell that these are really athletic 315-pound tackles just looking at them. They just stand out. These are not your typical tackles, even by Seattle standards, especially Charles Cross. He is a fantastic athlete, and you could see it very quickly out there on the field. And they weren't the only ones that you could see the great athleticism from on the field. Ken Walker III, the running back out of Michigan State, Maybe the most debated draft pick the Seahawks made just because it's a running back in round two. You could see the burst when he was taking handoffs. And again, he's not having anybody try to tackle him. He's not having to worry about blocking in front of him. But you could see the speed, the burst, the acceleration that the Seahawks were excited about. That was very visible. And boy, maffe working off the edge. Didn't get to see a lot of this because, again, they're not playing real football. But I want to talk about a guy that looks like a physical specimen, him and Dariq Young, the seventh round receiver out of Lenore Ryan. Those two, you can tell they are workout warriors, and it was very evident on the field that these are not your typical prospects coming in, so there's a reason Pete Carroll couldn't keep his eyes off of the nine draft picks. Now, unfortunately, the one that I'm sure he was most excited to work with, Tariq Woolen, the six-foot-four corner, he was dealing with a sore hamstring, so he didn't get to actually participate. In the three days of practice, he did do the walkthroughs while Seattle was doing those ahead of time, but didn't get to really participate. But he's six foot four. He is definitely that size, seeing him tower over the rest of Seattle's defensive backs. Very athletic, lean looking cornerback. So Pete Carroll hoping when they get back for the start of OTAs that Woolen will be feeling better and he'll be able to participate because that is the project that he might be most looking forward to with his secondary background. So that was my first big takeaway from this event. Second thing, there were some undrafted guys that stood out as much as you can stand out in a rookie mini camp. Again, not seeing real football being played until we get to training camp. There's going to be some team offense versus defense and OTAs and mandatory mini camp that will provide a little bit of a taste of real football, but Contact is limited, completely limited, actually. And so it makes it difficult to assess these players. But you look at the athleticism and you just look at the natural football movements. And there's a couple of guys that jumped out. I want to start on defense. And this is fitting because there's been a conversation about potentially bringing KJ right back. And the player that was wearing his jersey number at this rookie camp, Levi Jones, goes by Vi Jones out of North Carolina State, is not as big. As K.J. Wright, he's 225 pounds, so he's about 20 pounds lighter than K.J., but he's got 33-inch arms, so I had to do a little bit of a double-take looking out in the field because that was one of the calling cards for K.J. Wright. Really long, almost 35-inch arms. Levi Jones... Has 33-inch arms at six foot two, and so he looks very similar. He looks like a leaner version of KJ Wright on the field. And this is a guy you look at his pro day numbers: a 4.52 40-yard dash, a 36-inch vertical, a sub-seven-second three cone. He's a phenomenal athlete. If you can add another five to ten pounds to that frame with his athleticism and those long arms. This is certainly a kid to keep a very close eye on. And on the offensive side of the ball, at the quarterback position, Levi Lewis was signed before the start of rookie minicamp. So he's going to be able to participate in their offseason program. He is every bit five eight and a half. This is not a tall guy at all. Makes Russell Wilson look like a giant. But he's got a very quick release, made some nice throws during the rookie minicamp. When we get into OTAs, we'll have a little better idea where he fits in. But to me, of the two quarterbacks that were there, He was the only one under contract heading into this event. You could definitely tell why they chose him. He's got some tools that are at least worth taking a look at here during their offseason program. And up front, Shamarius Gilmore, the guard out of Georgia State, more than 4,000 career snaps for the Panthers, gave up just eight sacks in almost 2,000 pass protection reps in college. Five years worth where he started almost 60 games at the college level And he's pretty athletic. You could see on the field, he looks like a really good zone scheme guard. And so I think he's a player to keep an eye on as well. Again, didn't get to see him block because they couldn't, but you could see the natural movement from him coming out of his stance, moving laterally, and he looks like he could be a very good fit in Shane Waldron's scheme. So those would be three names that I would keep an eye on. And I'm going to finish up here. My last observation here, the last noteworthy one, You're going to see more and more of this because you have all these all-star events like the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, and a number of other all-star events that happen during the pre-draft process. These players get to know each other. So it shouldn't be a surprise necessarily that a lot of these players the Seahawks drafted, even though none of them were teammates in college, they all are pretty familiar with each other with the exception of Jarek Young coming from a Division II school. A lot of new people for him, but a lot of these guys know each other from the Combine or the Senior Bowl or other events they did in the pre-draft process. And some of them just worked out together. I think more so than any previous season for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, there just seems to already be quite a bit of built-in chemistry with this draft class. And that should excite all the 12s out there. Yet guys like Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas that played different parts of the country, but they both played for Mike Leach in his air raid offense, and they're both soft-spoken, quiet guys that pack a punch on the field. They got along famously when they met each other at the combine. So you've got that connection. You had players like Kobe Bryant. In the corner was going up against Bo Melton in senior belt and uh, senior bowl practices. You also had Boy Mafé and Tyreek Smith, your two edge rushers. They went against Abraham Lucas at the Senior Bowl. And then Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. Those two became really close friends at the Senior Bowl, and that friendship continued to grow at the Combine. There's just so many interesting relationships that have already been established, and you could see that chemistry on the field with a number of these players going into this rookie minicamp, and that's a great way to hit the ground running. I don't know how big of a deal it necessarily is, but it just seems more noticeable this year. And with a nine-player class to have that many guys that are already familiar with each other, Boye Mafe and Tyreek Smith played in the Big Ten together, have very similar laid-back personalities. They seem to be hitting it off famously as well. Got along in the Senior Bowl, We're pushing each other. All these connections, it's exciting for Seahawks fans and being able to hit the ground running the way they did, that is going to help these guys, all nine of them, as they head into OTAs, mandatory minicamp, and eventually training camp when they are going to be getting acclimated with the veterans moving forward in the offseason program. Coming up next, it's Twitter Tuesday. Got a bunch of responses from you, the 12. We basically are at the end of the offseason in the sense that roster moves probably aren't going to be happening from this point on, or at least significant ones. So I reached out and on social media tried to get an idea what you, the 12s, think about Seattle's offseason with a number of categories. I'm going to be reading through five or six fan responses when I return here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. I know the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs from live betting to the playoffs, eSports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. I like to call this kind of the dead zone of the offseason. Even though you've got mini camps and OTAs going on all across the country, free agency has slowed down to a halt. The draft is now in the rearview mirror. Undrafted players have been signed. Pretty much most of the rookie mini camps at this point have already been completed as well. So the next couple of months, even if there's going to be players in the field for a large portion of that, are going to be slower moving. The true meat of the offseason is done. The hay is in the barn. And with that said, bringing back Twitter Tuesday, I reached out to all the 12s with four categories for you to provide answers for. What you thought was the best move the Seahawks made this offseason, the biggest head scratcher, the move that you wish the team would have made, and the best draft pick. Some of you added an extra category or two, which I really enjoyed, but we had over 50 responses this morning to this. Obviously, I can't read through all of those. There was some overlap, but I'm looking forward to reading through a number of these fan submissions to kind of gauge how Seahawks fans are feeling coming out of this offseason and going into the 2022 campaign. So without further ado, let's get to our first one here. And this is coming from Fez, JB underscore Huds. For the first one, Fez's favorite move was re-signing Quandre Diggs. Then he asked, why the hell did we give the Broncos a fourth-round pick in the Wilson trade? As far as draft picks, he said, Ken Walker, value be damned, he has it. And then for the move he wishes they would have made, He said, I wish they could have got more in the Wilson trade. So you kind of see a little bit of a pattern with this response. Seems like Fez was not happy with the Wilson trade in general. And this is what I would tell you. I looked at that trade when it happened, and I was still, I was very surprised because a few days before that, I was thinking if they were going to make this trade, there's just not a team that seems like the right fit out there. But the Broncos offered them three veterans that they really liked, including one of them being a young quarterback they still felt had some potential. They got two firsts, they got two second-round picks, and they got a fifth-round pick. In order to even out that trade, they had to put in the fourth-round selection, which maybe that's the difference between getting a third and a second-round second 2nd pick. And so from John Snyder's perspective, it's worth it to throw that early day-three pick in there. I thought that that ended up being, if you were going to move Wilson, ended up being a pretty solid trade package in return. He got five draft picks and three proven veterans. If you're going to try to rebuild moving on from your star franchise quarterback, that's the type of ammunition that you need to get back in return. And so I can understand the hesitation about giving up a pick or feeling like maybe we should have gotten another draft pick thrown in there. But this seemed like it was a pretty fair market deal if you're going to be trading a star quarterback that wants his way out. And that's just the way that it fell. Looking at our next one, this one coming from KC. For his first one, his favorite move, Clint Hurt and Sean Desai being appointed to the defensive staff. As far as those head scratching move, Jason Myers contract, not making a move at the kicker position. Favorite draft pick, Charles Cross did add. However, I love the draft overall, lots of value. And need throughout, and then last, the move that he wished would have been made—a professional stakeholder engagement with Wagner when he was released. In other words, could they have handled it more professionally? And I think the Seahawks, you know, they look back at that situation, and I think the Seahawks probably—they, I mean, I know that John Schneider and Pete Carroll, based on what they told the media on March 16th, they regret that it went down the way that it did because. You know, they would have loved to be able to tell their star player, their eight-time All-Pro selection, hey, we're going to be releasing you. And instead, somebody from inside the organization leaked it to a reporter, and suddenly Bobby Wagner's finding out that that's what they're going to do through social media. And that's not how any star player wants to find out that they're going to be released. So I think the Seahawks, if they could have a mulligan there, they absolutely would change that they did things. But there were some factors that made it more difficult for them to be able to do it the way that they wanted to. And Pete Carroll was holding on to the last minute because this is not what he wanted to do. He loves Bobby Wagner. So I'm not defending the Seahawks organization because it shouldn't have happened this way. But sometimes during the offseason when you're trying to make these moves, preparing for free agency, sometimes, unfortunately, stuff like this happens. And I don't believe they were looking to slight Bobby Wagner. Unfortunately, this is the way that it played out. Our next one here coming from Khalil. First one as far as favorite moves. I actually get a lot of listeners that sent in the response that they thought trading Russell Wilson was the best move that the Seahawks made this offseason. We'll see how this ends up panning out for them without Russell Wilson. As far as the biggest head scratcher, not re-signing DJ Reed. That would probably be my choice if I had to answer this particular set of questions. Favorite draft pick, put Boye Mafé or Charles Cross. Come on, Khalil, you got to pick one. You got to pick one or the other. It's got to be one selection on this. And then for the move he wished they would have made, trade back in the later rounds. And he did add a category as well. Underrated move, Andy Dickerson being promoted to the offensive line. And I think that we would have a lot that we would agree about if we were looking at this, Khalil, because to me, underrated moves – That would be near the top because I think Andy Dickerson was a big part of the reason that Seattle's run game got going late last year. And I like Mike Solari. I think he's a great line coach. But the fit there with what he likes to do, what he's known for, blending with Shane Waldron, that fit was always a weird mesh. And Andy Dickerson and Shane Waldron have been coaching together for a long time. They've known each other for couple decades so it made too much sense not to make that move and so yeah if I was putting underrated move that would probably be the one that I would choose as well and I think Andy Dickerson is going to have a major impact on Seattle's run game and the offensive line a really good guy to have around for two young tackles that you're going to be molding in Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas next one coming from Marcus Coronado as far as his favorite move addressing the offensive line with Cross and Lucas get the trenches fortified. And for the biggest head-scratcher, not addressing the QB issue, though he did add, I would rather wait till next draft. We are going with a rookie. His favorite pick, Kobe Bryant, just feels like he could be the steal of the draft. And then the move that he wished they would have made, taking a top inside linebacker. And that was something I thought the Seahawks were going to do in this process. I, I really thought that Seattle was going to use one of their first three-round picks, one of the four selections that they had in those first two days. I thought they were going to get an inside linebacker, but clearly they have a ton of confidence that Cody Barton can be in the guy, and he did play really well in those two games last year at the end of the year, replacing an injured Bobby Wagner. He's only in his fourth year. He's a former safety, so he has good range and athleticism they may feel that now is his time to shine playing next to Jordan Brooks. Otherwise, I think they would have taken advantage of a draft class that was pretty loaded at the position rather than maybe go with a running back or a second second offensive tackle. They might have decided, you know what, we're going to go with a linebacker. But ultimately, they decided we like Cody Barton, we like Jordan Brooks. Those are the two guys that we are going to go with moving forward. Our next one here coming from Mikey Champion. As far as his favorite move, not reaching for a quarterback. That was a pretty consistent answer in our poll. Biggest head scratcher, Will Disley, with his three-year, $24 million contract. Favorite draft pick, Charles Cross. And the reason that I put this one on here, move that Mikey wishes the Seahawks would have made, trade DK Metcalf. I can't say that anybody else on this poll, had that for the move they wish the Seahawks would have made. There were some of you that had DK Metcalf for an extension on some of these things, but not to trade him. Maybe Mikey's looking at the long game and thinking, Hey, we're going to pay him all this money. Let's go get ourselves a first, maybe a second round pick, get some high draft capital and continue to rebuild this roster. I would argue he's 24, one of the best young receivers in football. You don't have a quarterback under contract next year. You have no excuse for getting rid of him, especially because he wants to be in Seattle. But you could make some arguments if you're truly a team that's going into a rebuild, why you maybe would consider exploring that if a team gave you the right offer and they threw a king's ransom that you simply could not turn down. And for our last one here, this is coming from Chris Phillips. Moving on from Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner. So this is, again, a common theme most fans In our poll, we're saying these are moves they actually thought were the good moves to make because they got a good return on Russell Wilson, and they knew that Bobby Wagner was going to cost a ton of money and was a player in decline. As far as the biggest head scratcher for Chris Phillips, not extending DK Metcalf. So we just had to not trading Metcalf in this case, not extending him up to this point. As far as favorite draft pick, Kobe Bryant was getting a lot of selections in this because of the value in the fourth round. I'll be talking more about that player here in a few moments. And for his movie, Wishes They Would Have Made, drafting the long-term answer at center and inside linebacker. We just talked about the inside linebacker position, but if you're looking at the center spot, that was another position that I thought maybe Seattle, with one of their early selections, might try to find their long-term answer. Because Austin Blythe didn't play very much last year for the Chiefs and Creed Humphrey was their starter and Blythe's on a one-year deal. So who knows if he's going to be your long-term answer. I thought Seattle would explore possibly doing that, but this was not a deep draft class, the center position. And once the first handful of guys went, then the Seahawks didn't have a lot of options. They didn't force the issue just to draft a center for the sake of drafting a center. And instead they attacked several of their other needs and they're going to be holding out hope that Austin Blythe this year can be the guy. And we'll see what happens next offseason. If Blythe has a good year, maybe he's a long-term answer playing in a system he's familiar with. He's worked with Waldron and Dickerson with the Rams, was a starter there for several seasons. So now he's going to look to carry that over here in Seattle with them running more of a zone-heavy scheme. So we'll see. It could be a second straight year where they end up regretting not taking a center. But this was not a great center class. Once you got past the first handful of guys, there was a big drop off. Coming up next, I'm going to continue our Inside the Seahawks draft series. We've gotten through the first three rounds. Now going to the fourth round of player that I just mentioned a few times in those polls from fans as a favorite pick, and that's Kobe Bryant in the corner out of Cincinnati. What strengths and weaknesses does he bring to the table? I'm going to be breaking his game down coming up here in the third quarter. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? For example... Why spend $353 for a fuel pump at a chain store when you can get it for $216 from Rock Auto? Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could possibly need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet and steering wheel covers. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked On in there, How'd You Hear About Us box? so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Continuing our Inside the Seahawks draft series. Last week, Rob and I broke down Charles Cross, the number nine overall pick. We also tackled the second round selections, boy Mafé out of Minnesota and Ken Walker, the third out of Michigan State, and wrapped things up with Abraham Lucas, the tackle out of Washington State. Going to be switching to day three here, and this is where the Seahawks and every other team is looking for bargain values. And with pick number 109, you've got to believe the Seahawks may have picked one of the bigger diamonds in the rough for early day three in this 2022 NFL draft class, and Kobe Bryant from the University of Cincinnati. Now, he was overshadowed with the Bearcats, and for good reason. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the number four pick in this draft class, in my opinion, the number one defensive player in this draft class. You could maybe make an argument that number one prospect in this draft class, a 6'3 corner with 4'4 speed, didn't give up a single touchdown in coverage his entire college career. When you have a player like that playing across from you, That certainly makes it difficult to become a household name. But at the same time, Kobe Bryant was the one that won the Jim Thorpe Award last year as the nation's top defensive back. It was not Ahmad Sauce Gardner, interestingly enough. Now, you could make the argument there if you looked at the film, you looked at the stats that they picked the wrong Cincinnati corner. But the film that I've watched... I don't think there's a huge gap in terms of football talent between these two. I thought that Bryant was probably going to be an early third-round selection. And one of the big reasons for that is he doesn't have the size that Gardner does, and he's not near the athlete, in particular his change of direction. That would be the biggest weakness for me coming into the NFL. There are some clear athletic deficiencies for him. He ran a 4-3-1 short shuttle, which is in the 8th percentile for cornerbacks. In other words, it's really slow. That's poor agility testing. And he just wasn't able to recover on that in his pro day. It just was not a good time. But he did run faster in the 40 in his pro day than the combine, was able to cut it from the 4.5s down into the 4.47 range. And so he was able to improve that. His top line speed is not that bad. He's got pretty solid overall speed. It's the change of direction stuff that's worrisome. And the fact that he's 6'1", 193 pounds, not the biggest corner, not a small corner necessarily either. And he plays a little bigger than that, but he just didn't have the physical tools and athletic tools that Sauce Gardner has. So obviously Gardner was going to be the one that was picked early in the draft. And Bryant was going to sink a little bit. He fell further than I thought he was going to right into the Seahawks lap. So, Let's break down his game here. Let's talk strengths first. When we're looking at Kobe Bryant coming from the University of Cincinnati, the first thing that jumps out to me when I've watched tape, and Seattle is always looking for this when they are breaking down corners and safeties. They want players that play with physicality, that like to go out there and do the dirty work. And this is a kid that will go up and he'll press you. He'll play press coverage. He'll, he'll play physical football at the line of scrimmage get receivers off their mark when they try to release from the line of scrimmage. And the other thing that he's got really going for him, and I think this was especially attractive for the Seahawks this year, his plus ball skills. We're talking about a guy that had nine interceptions and 26 pass breakups during his college career at Cincinnati. And part of the reason that he was able to do that, yes, he's got great ball skills, but it's his instincts. And you hear this a lot of times with ball hawking corners and safeties. The ability to run the receiver's route and then undercut it. That is what this kid excels at, and he does it without drawing penalties. He just has a knack for slithering by receivers, undercutting throws, without making much contact, and picking them off or generating pass deflections. He even showed this at the rookie mini camp this past weekend. They're not supposed to be playing that football, but instincts take over and he nearly had an interception. He was upset that he didn't haul it in and ended up falling out of his fingertips. But this is a kid that plays with outstanding instincts, and that helps him compensate for some of the athletic flaws in his game. He has a very high football IQ. So you couple that with the ball skills, the ability to finish. Even if he didn't show that this weekend at the mini camp, that's what really set him apart from a lot of his peers is he's a finisher. And this is a guy that had some big plays, against really good football teams. Two years ago against Georgia had an interception in that game. And that was obviously not the year that Georgia won at all. But that was still a loaded Georgia football team. And he had a nice interception in the end zone. So he has played well in the limited opportunities going against elite competition, as did Ahmad Gardner. So that should give the Seahawks plenty of excitement with him coming in the league. He's a very polished player and he will come up and he'll play against the run. Again, that physicality you don't have to worry about that with Kobe Red Mamba Bryant. This kid will come up and he will hit you. He will finish plays in the run game as long as he wraps. So that's the real key. But this guy checks off a lot of boxes for Seattle. He's a really good zone corner. He plays a physical brand of football. He has plus ball skills for a team that didn't generate many turnovers last year. That will be very welcome in the secondary. And he's got the mindset to get involved with. The run game, as I mentioned, though, the biggest issue when you are trying to project where Kobe Bryant fits into Seattle secondary, it's got to be the ex- explosive athleticism or the lack thereof, particularly with the change of direction and agility. His vertical jump was in the low 30s in terms of inches for a corner of his size. Not great. Didn't have a great broad jump. As I mentioned, the short shuttle was one of the worst times for any corner in this draft class. That is going to potentially be a problem. He was able to offset that at the college level because, again, this is a guy that plays with great instincts, and he knows how to decipher the routes that receivers are running against him, and he's able to undercut routes. He does so many things as well in terms of being a student of the game, and that's why he's got that really high floor. Again, this is an experienced player that has played a lot of snaps at the college level. He has played against some top competition, even coming from the AAC Conference, which isn't necessarily known for that, has played some really good football teams and has played well against them. He is a true student of the game. And we've seen guys like K.J. Wright in the NFL, a linebacker that have been able to last a long time, even if their athletic traits start to diminish because of that football mind. This guy's going to be coming to the league having to play that game a little bit right off the bat. Because he isn't the fastest guy. He doesn't have the best change of direction skills. So you got to wonder about going against really speedy receivers in the NFL. Is he going to be able to limit the big plays downfield? And in particular, when those guys are running slants and quick in routes, is he going to be able to swing his hips open and change direction quick enough to be able to defend them? That is, to me, a concern that could potentially be a problem for him in the NFL that wasn't as big of an issue at the college level. And he's got to be able to wrap. Again, this guy's got the mindset. He made a lot of tackles at Cincinnati, but he did leave some of those tackles on the field because he didn't wrap up. And you could say the same about Tariq Woolen, who I will be breaking down with Rob Rang on our Wednesday show. There are some similarities in that regard. For being as experienced as he is, that is something he's still going to have to clean up and be able to wrap up. But generally a pretty solid run defender. Had an 81 grade from Pro Football Focus last year in the tackling department. So he is an effective run defender. He has the mindset that you want. He's got the ball skills, obviously the the tracking ability. That to me is the greatest asset that this kid brings Seattle secondary. His ability to track and see the football into his hands or at least swat the ball away. He has elite tracking skills, which is going to give him a chance to be a solid starter in the NFL. I've been saying it for weeks since Seattle made this pick. I don't know if he wins a starting job in week one, but aside from Charles Cross and maybe Abraham Lucas, to me, of Seattle's rookies that they are bringing in in this draft class, he might have the best chance to make an impact as a starter immediately. You've got Sidney Jones at the other cornerback spot, who I think will be a starter. Seattle's going to play it as a competition, but I think with the money they paid him, he is going to be a starter as long as he's healthy. The other cornerback spot, you're going to have Trey Brown coming back. We'll see if he's healthy enough for the start of training camp coming off a patellar tendon injury. If he's not back, you're going to have Artie Burns. Maybe Tariq Woolen's going to play his way into the competition earlier than expected. I think that's going to be tough sledding for him. He's got a lot to improve upon before he's ready to play on Sundays. But you've got the Trey Brown versus Artie Burns battle, and you might even want to throw a guy like John Reed into the mix there potentially as well. But I think you look at this cornerback group, then Kobe Bryant absolutely has a great opportunity to be able to play his way into early defensive snaps, maybe even starting week one, because this is such an experienced player that has such great instincts and ball skills. Very high floor. I don't know how high his ceiling is with his athletic limitations, but this guy is a student of the game, really understands how to play cornerback, understands how to play defense. And I think that's going to give him a great chance to make an impact for the Seahawks on day one, at least on special teams. I could see him playing some defense right away, too, for the Seahawks. We'll see what happens. But this is a guy that a lot of fans are excited about, I'm excited about, and the Seahawks are certainly excited about because he brings a pretty decorated resume with him to the NFL. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast as well. The schedule may be dark this time of year, but the NFL never stops, and neither does Locked On NFL. Get insights and opinions from hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL hosts repping all 32 squads. There's no off-season for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast coming up on tomorrow's show. I'll be rejoined by Rob rang. The two of us are going to start diving into the depth chart a little bit, maybe some way too early 53 man roster projections on the offensive side of the ball. And we're going to continue our inside the Seahawks draft series with another cornerback, Tariq Woolen, the fifth-round pick out of UTSA, checking out some strengths and weaknesses in his game as he prepares to embark on his NFL career with the Seahawks. As always, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks!